birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. I shouldn't have started the podcast like that because as I'm recording it, today is the parlour's 12th birthday. But by the time I've edited this bad boy and actually put it out for the people to listen to, it won't be anymore. But I don't care. I'm very excited because not only is it the parlour's 12th birthday, hello, I'm your titular Stace. It's also episode 100 and bloody 50. Aye, that's a lot. That's a lot of talking that I've done over the years. (laughs) And uh, joining me for this very special episode is my podcasting big brother, the reason I even have a podcast, so you can blame him if you like. <laughs> Send all the hate mail <laughs> to Barry Nugent. Uh, it's the delightful Barry from Geek Syndicate. Hello, darling. Hello. Um, Hello. Sorry, I was in a singing mood when we started. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just realised then, like, so obviously you came onto our podcast many years ago as a guest, and then you started your own. Well, you then did a podcast on our feed and many other podcasts and stuff like that. And other people many have done the same. Yeah. Does that make me like the Nick Fury of like podcasting? Did I just go around and like just recruit people? I'm going to say yes, because then that makes me one of the UK Avengers of podcasting. And I'm very <laughs> happy with that. I'm very happy with that. I'll take that. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Do you have to wear an eye patch now? Are those the rules? Yes. I just need to, if someone can send me an eye patch, I'll quite happily wear one. My uh, sister has an eye patch. Does from she? When her, yeah, from when her retina fell off. It was disgusting. <laughs> hey. Yeah, it wasn't, no, it was It was a bad time. She showed me the stitches. It was grim. Nobody needs to hear about it. It's gross. Hello, yeah. how are you doing? <laughs> I was doing fine. Well, two out of detail. Anyway, that's a different story. Uh, yes, I'm doing fine, thanks. I'm drinking an alcoholic milkshake. I'm jealous of that, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. Although, as we ascertained before we started recording, I have, in fact, got three drinks, one of which is just a double shot of black cherry rum neat. So, <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Uh, I apologise in advance for how the podcast might go. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of how the podcast might go, I decided to do uh, a little bit of a different thing this time and do some Ask Me Anything questions. And uh, collected a few cues from the lovely, lovely listeners of this podcast. And most of them are to do with either podcasting or like pop culture stuff. So I figured you can answer them too, B, because you're, what's the word I'm looking for? Better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't come on your show for you to then say I'm better than you. Uh, well, I mean, in terms of podcasting, like you're more of a veteran than I, like you've been knocking around longer than I have. And wow. Your wow. show's a bit your show's a bit more popular than mine is. That's Basically. fair to say. That's stats, that is. <laughs> Basically, I'm older. Is that what you say? You're a retold fart, but I love you. That's what okay. I'm saying. Thanks. Yeah, so um, so I thought we could both have a pop at these questions, if you like. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Why the devil not? Let's start off with a question from my lovely mother, <laughs> uh, which makes me sound Hi, really Stacey's pathetic. Mom. Hello, Mom. Don't sing it. Good. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It's the bane of my life, that song is. Uh, My lovely mum, Wendy, asks, if you could have one person on your podcast, who would it be? B, who would that be for you on Geek Syndicate? You've already had Jonathan Ross and, like, big old names like that, so you're you're doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I. uh, it was weird, because actually, to begin with, I I had to answer straight away, um, which I'm going to stick. Can I do an honourable mention? 
course, yeah, I'll let you. I don't think my mum will be too cross. Okay, sorry, Wendy. My uh, so my actual pick is David Gemmell, who's a fantasy writer. Sadly, oh. yeah, sadly he passed away some time ago now. But he was very influential in my own sort of writing and stuff. I absolutely loved his writing. Mm. Read all of his books, and he's he he just has a way of writing um, heroes and stuff, and writing fantasy where it's not. I don't want to get sort of shut down in flames, but a lot of fantasy can get really bogged down in the world building. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> um, to the point where I'm kind of like, I just want to get to the action, you know. Stop telling me the rules of the world. But he has a way of kind of navigating that. So he still does amazing world building, but he really gets to the the actual story and the mm. character, you know, it, it, the world building never overshadows the the characters and the plot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yes, I've always, I've always just loved his stuff. And it's one of my sort of biggest regrets is he came to Northampton to do a book signing. And um, I was going to go and then I was actually walking to the book. And then for whatever reason, I was also going to London. Mm. Um, at time and I, and I was running a bit late and stuff and I was kind of like oh it's fine I'll catch him next time so I didn't go and I, it was either the following year or the year after he then died oh no and I was just I was you know it, it was a real lesson of kind of you know live life take advantages of the moments you get because yeah you know it's good possibly that moment's never going to come again so yeah so it was a big regret so obviously it's an impossibility, but you know, if he had, if he was still here, it'd be him. Um, I think it would be possibly the world's most listened to podcast if you could get an interview with him now. Yes. <laughs> like just genuinely impressive uh, podcast booking that would be. Yes, it would. It would. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my honourable mention goes to uh, George Lucas. Okay. Yeah. Fair. I genuinely thought you were going to say Harrison Ford, but. No, because I think it's that worry sometimes, I think. I'd be really worried about having him on in case... Like in case it was an arsehole. Yeah, quite quite honestly. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I'd rather him just live in my memory as like indie. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good answers. So I had to think really hard about this one because I will be honest, since the third uh, live episode of The Parlour, which... Uh, obviously, you were there for B because you uh, co-hosted it. With I me. was indeed. Uh, which went pretty much as wrong as a live show could go without just completely going off air. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> just everything, everything went wrong. I've been really reticent to do interviews since then because, like, normally I would do maybe one or two a year, get somebody on that, like, you know, I really like, and we'll have a chat about, you know, whatever comics or telly or whatever it is they do. But I haven't, I haven't done one, I don't think, since that that live show because it sort of broke my brain in terms of like I did a little sort of epilogue episode of the parlor about my feelings around uh, around that live show, which which largely amounted to the fact that I went through like a severe case of like rejection sensitive dysphoria because I just thought I'd let you down I'd let Mike down I'd let the charity down I'd let the listeners down I let the guests down like, <laughs> like I was having a real hard time so I haven't even thought about doing interviews with anybody since that show so because of this question I've genuinely had to think and I think I'd have to pick somebody who 
I know enough of their work and like enough of their work that I think I could comfortably talk to them without stressing myself out about remembering facts or like pre-planning questions and making it a bit too robotic or whatever. So I think I've settled on, and this is probably not going to surprise anybody at all, Ben Schwartz, who is uh, the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) He's the voice of Leo in Rise of the TMNT. He does comedy improv shows. I think he would also be a great person to have when you're someone who's shitting yourself about interviews, because I feel like he'll just talk. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you could just be like, oh, here's a question, I've panicked, and he'd just be like, all right, and go off on one. And I also feel like, based on other interviews that I've seen him do, that he would, like, engage with you if he felt things were going weirdly, which would be great, because he's an an improv guy. He can work on his feet, like, way more than I can. So basically what I'm saying is invite Ben Schwartz on and then just get him to carry a whole episode. You just just sit back and put your feet up. Just sit back. I'm like, look, you host this one, and I'll just chip in every now and then. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's a good choice. But also, as well, just to step back i honestly every i we did how many shows live shows did i do with you two you did two yeah i did three total you did yeah did two and honestly like okay there were we did have some technical difficulties (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, but honestly both of those even though i was like dead on my feet (laughs) by the end when i got home and stuff and i don't think i've got it in me as a podcast to do that anymore i don't know they're like among some of my like top highlights of doing this whole podcast in Malarkey. I had so Aww. much fun dude. I did genuinely. <laughs> even when even when shit was going to hell in a handbasket, yeah. I just kept kept on drinking, having fun. <laughs> yeah, I think um I'd I'd to be honest, I would love to do another one, but I'd I'm so frightened of the technology now that I'm like, I need somebody else to manage that part. Like yeah. I'll I'll organise the guests, I'll turn up, I'll host it, but I don't want to have anything to do with how it's set up, how it's broadcasting. <laughs> like, because that just, oh, God, it just, it got to a point where just genuinely I was like, why do I even podcast? What am I doing? Like, I'm bad at this. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, it did break my brain a little bit. But, yeah, I'll, like, the rational part of me knows that, like, I had a really fun time and we raised, like, we hit our target. All the guests said they had a fun time. In fact, a lot of people thought it was very funny that we were having to say things like over so that we knew when <laughs> when each other had stopped speaking because of all the delays and stuff. Like, most arguably, a lot of people thought that, that that show was really fun. But for me at the time, it was like, I'm making a pig's ear of it. Uh, and I lost my mind a bit. But um, I mean, what maybe it may be. I just need to rip the Band-Aid off and just have just do an interview again and then be like oh yeah it's not that terrible (laughs) yeah i haven't done an interview in a in a while myself it's kind of similar reasons to be honest yeah yeah i don't don't know if that's what people come to the parlor for anyway though i think most of them just to hear me be a brummy twat so you know there's that should we should we roll on to question two (laughs) do it roll it the absolutely delightful pj montgomery asks are there any pieces of pop culture on which your opinion has changed in 150 episodes? Now, I struggled with this question because I've got a notoriously terrible memory <laughs> and I don't remember what opinions I had 12 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah. But I will say I will say there's probably two things 
that I could say that would answer this question. And the first is that although I, do, I don't think anything, my opinion of any particular like film or telly show or whatever has massively changed. But I do think there's probably a lot of particularly films, but probably some telly shows as well. Maybe some comics. I don't know that like my opinion has changed or has been coloured somewhat by, uh, you know, revelations that people involved in them have turned out to be utter arseholes <laughs> yeah uh, so there's like a lot of things that i enjoyed at the time but i'm probably not going to watch again because there's a sex pest in it or <laughs> 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 you know what i mean so there's that i mean like just as an example i mean i will watch this again because i love it but just as an example like i don't i don't quite enjoy deadpool the movie as much as i used to anymore because i really fucking hate tj miller now and I'm like, oh, yeah. I forgot that I thought you were really like I listened to an old episode of the parlor where I was talking about like, oh, it's perfect casting as Weasel. What a brilliant, brilliant bit of casting that is. Oh, woof. Uh, that opinion dated itself, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, just stuff like that. I think I don't think I've ever like fully 180 an opinion on anything. Um, but yeah, definitely some things now I'm a bit more approach with caution. And the other thing I will say is that I have changed my opinion on sex scenes in movies. Because if, <laughs> if you go to the early episodes of The Parlour, I'm pretty sure there's a good couple of rants that I go on about how you don't have to show sex in a movie unless it's a porno because you can allude to sex. We all know what sex looks like. You don't have to show blah, blah, blah. And I go off on proper Wally rant that I realise now... <laughs> It was just me sort of because when I first started this podcast, I was only just sort of aware of my asexuality mm-hmm. and, uh, and my sex averseness. Uh, so I wasn't very comfortable in myself about it. And I also was sort of raging against a lot of the because um, I'd spent a lot of like my formative years thinking I was a, a broken weirdo because I didn't want to sleep with people. And so I think I think that was just like a byproduct of me going, why is there got to be fucking sex in everything? <laughs> ah, in my heading, like not everybody wants to have sex. And I was just like trying to say, like, I'm normal just because I want to like I don't want to have sex. It's not I'm fine. Uh, and I was having a bit of a meltdown. And now that I've like sort of settled into like the asexuality spectrum and where I sit in it. Uh, I, d- I don't care about sex scenes in movies now. Like nine times out of ten, I think I'd probably rather not look at them. But I'm not like cross that they're there anymore. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> now, I, now I accept that actually they are a valid part of movies, and that maybe I was just losing my mind a bit because they were so prevalent at a time when I didn't realise that maybe it was okay to not want that. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's the big thing that's uh, that's chat- like I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some old episodes of the parlor where I go to town on the, you know, the utter ridiculous of sex scenes. And now I realise that actually, yeah, no, they're fine. It's fine. <laughs> don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> what about you? Has there been any any big 180s for you? Um, I don't really think there has, if I'm honest. Well, I, was, I was sort of thinking about it and I think. Pretty much my, because obviously opinions change over time and stuff, but like, yeah. I don't really think there's anything that I like stuff that I maybe didn't like, to be, you know, back in the day that I absolutely love now or vice versa. I think it's a good point that you made about people that are falling out of favour. Yeah. yeah. Um, because like one of my favourite comics um, is Planetary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is by Warren Ellis. Mm obviously uh you know hmm. um, yeah so uh, but it's different you know but it's a it's, it's it's a difficult one i still love the comic 
Yeah. And it does, you know, it does raise the question. And obviously he wrote it, but, you know, it wasn't just him. There was a team of people. I'm, now it sounds like I'm trying to make excuses for the comic, but, you know. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, you say that, but, like, I I can't remember why they were talking about this, but on an old episode of Comedy Bang Bang, Scott Ackerman was talking about the, like, separating the art from the artist type thing. Mm-hmm. And he was, like, he was of the opinion of, if it was something that I loved before I knew they were whatever flavour of arsehole they turned out to be, I feel like I can still enjoy that because, A, I've already paid for it, so they're not getting any more money out of me from it. And, B, like, it meant something to me at the time. He said, but I can I can choose then to not continue to support that person, so I can choose to not buy their comics anymore or go see their movies or whatever. And it's like I sort of sit in that sort of bubble, I think, where, I, like, I... I don't mind sort of reading things maybe that I've already, although that being said, I did bin all my Harry Potters, but (laughs) 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 no, I didn't. I donated them to charity because I'm not a complete asshole. But yeah, it does. It is difficult because it's like, for me, it's more about money than anything else. Like I don't want to give them any more money. So like, I'm not going to buy albums or movies or books from that person in the future. But like, if I've still got a copy of a book or a song or a film and it yeah. means something to me, then I don't see why, why my enjoyment has to be taken away because that person happens to be a cunt. And like you say, there are a lot of other people involved in a lot of other things. And it's not particularly fair to spite all of them for one arsehole. But, <laughs> but also as well, it's a, you know, like I'm going to use this as an example, but the simple, the simple truth of it is, we wouldn't be sitting there having you would never podcast. Oh, I mean, I'm now inflating my own ego by saying you would never podcast if you hadn't come on ours. You may well have gone on another podcast. You you just don't know. But there, I can say categorically, there would be there would have been no geek syndicate without Planetary. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just that was a simple fact. That was mm. what got I'd come out of comics. I David got me back into comics via Planetary, and then that kind of. You know, we went down. You know the story. He went. We went down that road, and we ended up starting the podcast. So, as much as he's, you know, not a nice guy mm. for varying reasons and stuff like that, I can't. I can't erase that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? It's, it is what it is. Yeah, I have this conversation with my hubby quite a lot because he's aghast that I still listen to Michael Jackson's music, and I'm like, you don't understand the impact that music had on me and my younger days like that music is actually important to me and i don't feel so bad about listening to it now because he ain't getting my money because he's dead (laughs) like you know if he was still alive then mate i'd listen to the albums that i already have but i don't necessarily think i'd support maybe any of his future music i don't know but anyway let's not talk anymore about assholes because there are yeah (laughs) um stupid question for you well i say Mm -hmm. stupid i think it's a great question but it, it really is only going to be at all important to anybody who likes the turtles as much as I do, probably. The jolly bloody spiffing Ryan Parrish from the Geeky Brummy podcast asked, who would you prefer as your henchman, Bebop and Rocksteady or Fishface and Baxter Stockman? <laughs> now, do you know who Fishface is? No. I had a feeling that'd be the case. <laughs> so, <laughs> in the 2012 show, I think, uh, yeah, there was a mutant who's half fish, half man. <laughs> Fish face. Right. Um, <laughs> That's what it says on the tin. Yeah, they uh, in the in I lo- what I loved about the 2012 show was that they always let Mikey name the villains, so they always had really stupid names. <laughs> like I don't know, he's got 
it's got a fishy face and it fish face that'll do but he was he was quite quick and he was quite smart so really the question there is who would you prefer as henchmen stupid but strong or you know clever but maybe would get their faces punched in <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean i personally think i would go for fish face and baxter stockman because i appreciate brains but also i wouldn't trust bebop and rocksteady as far as i could throw them because they are really stupid in pretty much every iteration of the turtles and i feel like they're more harm than they are good <laughs> Uh, you see, but the problem with going with the smart one is I'd be more worried they'd double cross me. Double cross it, yeah. But see, um, yeah, that's true. So um, I'd probably go. <sighs> the problem with Bebop and Rocksteady is that in most iterations they're either useless, which is like, well, why would you even bother then? Or they're like fully, you know, will cave your face in with a tiny poke like like they're that stupidly strong yeah and i don't like my chances around either of those things but you're right i I could easily get i could easily get bamboozled by baxter stockman (laughs) yeah see yeah i I think i'd no i think i'd go with the strong one because i could probably if i'm a super genius i could probably find some way to counteract that if they suddenly got a bit leery got a bit leery got a bit leery wanted to start some trouble oh fucking hell <laughs> I'd have them to go a bit statham I'd have to go statham on them full statham <laughs> you never want to go full statham full statham <laughs> well while we're on the while we're on the subject of this um, the lovely Mike Giorgio he has sent in a voice message in which he asks this question which will probably appear later in this episode wherever I edit it in but just so that you can hear the question. Mike would like to know if we can do any accents and um, and if he could hear our Australian accents, please. Now, I can't do any accents, as has been demonstrated just now, by my terrible Cockney accent. <laughs> Is that what you were doing? Uh, f- fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I, was tr- I was trying. I was trying. Is that trying. posh Cockney? Fuck off. Maybe. I don't, are there posh Cockneys? Is that thing? I don't know. Uh, until oh. now, I didn't fix so. that. Can barely do my own accent. So the answer to this, Mike, is a categorical no on the accents front. Well, well it depends on, on whether you mean a good accent, because I could I could do an Australian accent, but I think it would be offensive. Yeah, I was going to say, could you do? <laughs> uh, I don't know, what can I say in Australian that would be like very noticeably Australian? But good day. What? Good day. Just good at no, nah, you can't tell from just good at I'd need to say like a whole Well no, I mean but that would you could start off with that and then you could riff on a sentence oh, after that. Uh good day, mate. Have you read the latest Harry Potter? <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> nope. Nope, nobody <laughs> likes it. Nobody so, likes it. I was not even gonna attempt. I, I do do a uh, um Australian accent when I've been drinking at home. It drives you mad. <laughs> what do you just sink into it for a laugh? <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Go on, you've been drinking at home. Not enough. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll come back to it later in the episode when he's had his day doing I'll I'll do it at a random point. When I finish my rum, I'll bust it out and we'll see how we go. Sorry, Mike. (laughs) Brian Williams, the absolutely tip-top Brian Williams, would like to know if there's one thing you know you could do for your podcast to increase numbers, but you actually refuse to do it. And uh, I have a really easy question, uh, a really easy answer to this question, which is um, paid promotion on socials. <laughs> like, I won't um, do it. I won't do it because I refuse to give 
Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or whoever the fuck rich cunt owns whatever my pennies just so like a thousand extra eyeballs can see my podcast yeah I, the, the thing is right people don't believe me when I say this but I genuinely don't do the podcast for numbers <laughs> um I mean numbers are nice I'm not gonna lie if this episode suddenly did like thousands of downloads that would be very lovely and I'd like it a lot but like if I get my standard like 60 downloads on this that's also absolutely fine because the reason I like podcasting is because I enjoy talking to my mates my like-minded equally passionate mates about all the like nerdy pop culture shit that I love and some of the stuff that I hate that I want to rant about (laughs) Uh, and and it's nice that a handful of people want to listen to it but like yeah I I know I could do a lot more like proper advertising but I just don't like I just don't want to put money into that just for a couple of extra downloads, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I just don't think it's worth it cuz like my I don't think this podcast is ever going to be like the world's biggest podcast. In which case, like I'm quite happy with my tiddly numbers. <laughs> Us as well there's there's so much competition there. The state of podcasting compared to when I started is it's, it's yeah. It's unrecognisable, you know, yeah. it's completely unrecognisable. It's pretty much, you know, almost everyone's got some got a podcast these days <laughs> or, or is always thinking about starting a podcast or is about to guest on a podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think one of the things I always get really annoyed when I listen to, um, it's a lot, a lot of the ones Sue listens to as well, they tend to have, um, you'll be listening, and it's oh, this is a really interesting topic, and then all of a sudden it will break into a set of adverts. Yeah. And it just, and then Sue's, after that, Sue's then skipping, trying to skip on and stuff like that. And it's just so, like, annoying and just takes you out of it um, yeah. that I, I I wouldn't do it. I mean, we way back in the day, we used to sort of, um, we used to have a couple of, where people could sponsor an episode and stuff. Um, yeah. And we'd give it a mention, like, at the beginning and stuff, but we sort of stopped doing that after a little while. But, but we tended to do it for things that we were really kind of passionate about, like particular comics or events or whatever, like a couple of the comic, the UK Comic Con sort of sponsored us and stuff. And that was it's cool from that perspective. Because it's, mm-hmm. like you say, it was something you wanted to see do well. Yeah. But I just think now it's just crazy. It's just, yeah. And I think what it is, is I think podcasting has now become a little bit like, you know, they sort of say something, I can't think of the particular stat now, but something like, you know, 90% of the world's money is in the hands of like eight people or something stupid like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think podcasting has kind of become a bit like that mm. in that, you know, there's a small percentage of people that are having all these, you, you know, you can't see all these like millions and millions of downloads and all this ad revenue, they've got all this money pouring in, but it's a small number of people. Yeah. And when you actually really break it down, you know, the actual average downloads that you, you'll you get nowadays as a podcast isn't that much anyway, mm. because it's all so, it's all spread thin. Yeah. And for me, it is that thing of, I'm nowhere near as kind of business savvy and focused and all that other malarkey as I was, I don't know how many years ago now. <laughs> but I still do it for ex- pretty much the same reasons as you. I couldn't have these conversations in my regular life. Well, I could now because I know a lot of geeks through doing podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, but I don't see most of those people on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah, for so. me, it's it's a great way to, like you say, talk to you, talk to Dave, talk to other people. And it's nice that other people – it's really great that other people listen because 
it's even better when they're in an email because they're getting involved or in a mm. Facebook group and you can have the conversations that I can't have at work. No one's interested in listening to me talk for like <laughs> two hours about the latest Indiana Jones film. People, yes, no, normal people, because I think pop culture or, or geek culture has kind of bled into mainstream now, you know, yeah, yeah. to how we started. So people will, you know, if you mention Star Wars or the MCU, people won't instantly kind of go geek and burn you at the stake they may even hold a conversation with you because a lot of them have seen those films now yeah but there's always a point where the you know the regs so i'm gonna call them now <laughs> the regs will stop and the geeks will go on yeah and you can i can always you know the eyes start to glaze over a bit and i just sort of think i've lost them now they're just not interested anymore whereas i could say that to you and we, we've got we've got at least another 90 minutes to go on that topic <laughs> yeah yeah, I think, um, I mean, we've drifted from the original question a bit, but like if I could give any advice to like somebody who was going to start a podcast, it would be to really know what you want to get out of it first. Mm. Because if you are looking for instant fame and money, you're really going to have to come up with a concept that's like fairly niche so that there's not, you're not competing with as many people and you have to make sure that you're really going to produce it well, that you've got like a lot of plan for, you know, what your content will actually be so that it is what your audience wants and blah, 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 blah. Whereas if you're a bit like me, where what you want to get out of podcasting is having these nerdy conversations with people either on the show or afterwards on the socials or in the emails or whatever, then it's just a case of like waffling passionately and don't worry too much about the numbers. <laughs> yeah because yeah like i i don't think i would do ads either like i i understand why some podcasters do them i understand that some people either want or need to make money off their podcasts but i'm like i'm in the i'm of a position where like if my podcast were to make me a bit of money that'd be great if not it's fine like i've got a full-time job that's yeah. not brilliant pay but it's <laughs> it's uh you know survivable <laughs> so like yeah it's it, it's just uh yeah I'm fine doing what I'm doing, to be honest, to be honest. <laughs> until like people tell me to like shut the actual fuck up. I'll just keep going. <laughs> the final question that I got was from the lovely Ian Mayer, who I did ask me anything episode a couple of months ago. And, uh, and in, in that episode, he asked who I thought would win in a fight between Leo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Daredevil. Ooh. And so, yeah, and I thought about it way too hard. And this time he asks uh, Raphael versus Knuckles, who you got? <laughs> now, I had to do a little bit of research on this because I wasn't sure if Knuckles actually had like full blown powers other than being almost as quick as Sonic. And not only did I discover that he can lift several times his own weight and break through solid ground i also discovered that his favorite food is grapes and that's a fact that i know now (laughs) (laughs) that's just the thing that's going to live in my brain forever but i still think despite knuckles's strength that most versions of raf would take him (laughs) soz knuckles because raf's smarter than people think he is and uh Oh, the, the one thing I think might work in Knuckles' favour is that he's quick because Raph gets frustrated easily. There's an episode of the 03 Turtles show where Raph has to fight Mikey in like a Battle Nexus tournament right. thing. And, uh, and Mikey beats him, not by being actually better, but just like flipping around a lot and annoying him. <laughs> <laughs> just like talking constantly and just whizzing around. And Raph's like, stay fucking still so I can hit you. And, uh, and it doesn't... <laughs> 
that tactic doesn't work, it just roils him up uh, and then Mikey wins. And I think maybe Knuckles could take him if he did that. But mm. I don't think Knuckles is as annoying as Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a setup, isn't it? Mm, yeah, so uh, what do you think? Are you Team Raph or Team Knuckles? Well, you see, I'm, I am Team Raph because Raph's a badass. Yeah, man. So I would always go with him. <laughs> However, if you're talking Knuckles as voiced by Edris Elba... Yes. I mean... He's, he's so powerful. Uh, it would be a close one. Especially, I watched the... Uh, I know you did. I know you've seen it because I think I copied you in it the um the trailer for the knuckles like tv show oh, mate, so good <laughs> yeah off the back of that i'm like i'd still edge it i'd still give it to raf but mm. it, it'd be close so i think i think with that version of knuckles see again depends which version of raf because like 87 raf he might get pummeled but if you're talking rise of the tmnt raf who I don't know how much Rise of the TMNT you've ever seen, but um, in that show they all have mystic powers. Oh, I've Raph... not seen any of that. Then the minute you said powers, I'm like, nope. <laughs> well, Raph's power is—it's uh, like a, it's, it, they call it their nimpo. It's like a, a Hamato family generational mystic thing, <laughs> and his power is that he can create giant versions of himself that he can move around independently of his own body or as part of his own body to sort of make himself giant. And I feel like that Raph would just murder Knuckles immediately. (laughs) 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 That Raph's just like, ha, you are dead. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Just don't even think about it. He will kill you. Uh, (laughs) So those were the Ask Me Anything questions that we had. I hope everybody enjoyed the nonsense that comes out of my brain on a regular basis. Barry, would you like to take a little wee break to uh to get a little tot? I was trying He's to gone. think. I was no, I was trying to think <laughs> of a one-liner and I had nothing. So I'm just going to say yes, yes, I would. I was hoping you fall into your Australian accent again, Barry. Oh no, uh, fucking hell! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I don't know what really the fuck bad. you're doing. <laughs> no, neither do I. I don't think. Oh, help! All right, back in a mo, everyone. Bye. Hi Stace, it's PJ Montgomery here. Congratulations on episode 150. That is a hell of an achievement for any show in this day and age and yours more than deserves to have hit those numbers. I can't wait for episode 200. Uh, I have to say Pop Culture Parlor is one of the most fun shows I've ever guest appeared on. So thank you for that. As for a recommendation, I am currently reading a book called A Masterpiece in Disarray by Max Every, which is an oral history of the making of David Lynch's 1984 adaptation of Dune, a film I can't say I like, but that I am absolutely fascinated by. For anyone who's interested in behind the scenes of that film, which is an incredible story, then I highly recommend checking out the book. And it sets you up nicely for Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 2 later on this year, which is a film I'm very excited for. Have a good 150. Here's the next 150. Next 500? I don't know. Loads of them. Keep going. You're doing a great job. Take care. Hello, this is Keith from Geeky Brummy popping by to wish Stacey and the Pop Culture Parlour a very happy 150th anniversary episode. 
my favourite pop culture stuff at the moment is on TV. Our Flag Means Death, a TV show you should all be watching. In comics, I'm really digging Transformers over at Image, the sensational She-Hulk at Marvel, John Constantine Hellblazer Dead in America at DC, and I'm looking forward to Helen of Windhorn from Dark Horse Comics. Elsewhere, I'm looking forward to seeing X-Men 97 and Deadpool and Wolverine. Congratulations, Stacey, on an excellent podcast, and I'm looking forward to number 300. Hi, Stacey. Happy 150th episode, and thank you for inviting me into the parlour so often. Uh, my current favourite comic is Petrolhead, published by Image, written with wit and heart by Rob Williams, and illustrated with furious energy and impeccable design by Pi Parr evoking 70s post-punk pulp sci-fi movies like Damnation Alley and Death Race 2000 with hip 2000 AD-esque irony and humour, Petrolhead is the simple tale of an obsolete race car robot trying to get a young girl out of a polluted dystopian megacity and save the world. Williams and Parr have created a series with heart and drive, no pun intended, and possibly the most kinetically charged comic since Akira. Highly recommended by me. So, 150 episodes, that's an accomplishment. You no, know, I think a lot of people don't see how much like a Mike's accomplishment it doesn't do the thing. Like, do the thing that you're hitting a, like a milestone with. Podcasting's a pain in the ass a lot of times. Unless you're smiling with big money or something like that. It's a pain in the ass. Is it? Like, it, I mean, how many, how many times you go to record and things are updating when you go to record? Or mics don't work on your end or their end, or you record something with somebody you really respect, and then it turns out that quality is just off or bad or you're getting recorded all. This stuff is stressful, and so to hit a milestone like this is something you earned. You earned it, and you should celebrate it because through all those back to the racks days, which was where I started listening to your stuff, to now through marathons, stressful marathons and all the chaos that comes with that to now you know you earn the respect of that number and how much it should mean and that's a big accomplishment and also the fact that you were the first podcast person i ever talked to online and basically the person that got me into podcasting so i can blame you also <laughs> so anybody that fusses about many of my projects and stuff it's, it's stacy's fault because she encouraged some stranger asking her questions about podcasting online a long time ago. So, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, before, you said two minutes, right? So, a uh, couple of things I'm really obsessed with right now. One is the Father Brown TV show. Yes, I love my old lady shows. And I'm currently obsessed with uh, audio dramas. Yeah, I've listened to so many. Mainly Doctor Who, yes. But... Like, audio dramas in general, I'm just really big into those right now. And, um, yeah, congratulations, Stacey. Uh, and thank you for always being a cool person and a kind person and being pretty awesome to know and talk to. Yeah, okay. Now I gotta do laps in the gym because I didn't eat much today. That doesn't make sense, but it does in my head. And, that, and that's probably the best place to end this is with me talking about stuff it does make sense oh god i'm just saying it bye have a nice day 
Happy birthday to you, I went to the zoo, I saw a big gorilla and thought it was you. Happy birthday Stacy, I can't believe you are already 150 years old. I am proud to have known you for at least 60 of those years. Um, yeah, it's it's nice, isn't it? It's nice when you reach a milestone and um, the, the result of it is something that's pretty dang cool. Um, speaking of which, I, in, in the sense that I'm not speaking of which at all, I am really, truly sorry for recommending Saltburn. <laughs> it's just... The thing is, I know I love things where the characters are terrible. And they're sort of believably so, and sometimes when they're not believably so, and when it's ridiculously camp. But um, I also know that you don't like that, so I probably shouldn't have recommended. But to be fair, I did say on the pod that everyone was unlikable and everyone was like unbearably posh. Um, so I feel like I've got a bit of a defence there, but also I am very sorry. It's just, I don't know, it's just bewitching when you see someone dancing around a giant mansion with their winkle out just dangling about the place. Um, that might have coloured my view, but um, yeah, where was I? Hi, um, so... 150, I heard you're accepting questions, so I have a question for you. Apart from your beautiful uh, Gerard Butler Scottish accent, uh, what other accents can you do? Can you do Australian? Can you do an Australian accent? Can you do... Um, I know you can do a Cockney accent. You can do a really bad Cockney accent, which I do appreciate. I love a bad accent. I love it so much. I love it when Americans try and do English accent in front of English people. It just gets my skin all... <laughs> but yes, um, please can I hear your Australian accent? And that is it. Thank you and happy birthday. Oh, Jesus, I forgot to say, this is Michael Georgie. Hi. Sorry, forgot. Sorry. Okay, bye. Love you. Bye. Hey, Stacey. It's your good buddy and pal and fellow co-host of Never Seen Podcast. It's Jenny. Uh, congratulations on 150 episodes of The Parlour. Insane. And I'm so pleased and proud and happy for you to have reached a fantastic landmark in your podcasting career. I can only think back to being not only a guest uh, when you've asked me to be on your show, which I've always enjoyed, especially when we do our Halloween specials, when we've gushed over Charlie Fox's chin in Daredevil, and also the first ever 24-hour live parlour podcast, which was crazy insane, but one of the best 24 hours I've spent with a friend. So thank you for that. Um, a pop culture moment I've enjoyed recently... Oh, toughy. I would say uh, Blue-Eyed Samurai. My goodness, just amazing. And Echo, Marvel's Echo. I really, really enjoyed that series and thought it was fantastic. I also really enjoyed the movie The Marvels. It's not given a very good rep by certain people, uh, but I really enjoyed it. It was a hell of a lot of fun to watch when I watched it. And 
I am looking forward to Deadpool 3. I'm now caught up again on 1 and 2 and forgot how much fun they were. So I look forward to number 3 and at the moment that's all I can think of that I'm looking forward to that's coming up soon because uh, my brain's now gone to mush. So congratulations again. I can't wait for more excellent episodes of The Parlour. I hope you'll have me back soon one day. And of course, I look forward to more episodes I've never seen with you and Lee. Have a brilliant time. Catch up soon. Bye. Hi, Stacey. Thanks for having me on. And congratulations on episode 150 and 12 years in the podcasting game. What a fantastic achievement. I'm Ryan from the Geeky Brummy Show, as you're probably aware. If you've listened to Stacey's podcast previously, I've popped up numerous occasions. But yeah, so my current favourite geeky thing is actually One Piece on Netflix, which is the live action version of the One Piece anime, which has got more episodes than people have days left to watch. I think it's one of those animes that's been going on forever. The manga is massively huge, but the live action series has taken the manga and done something great, which has made an actual good anime adaptation, unlike both Legends of Avatar that we've had so far. It's an amazing show, really worth your time, really interesting. I think it's about a 15 or a TVMA over in the US, so probably not great for young kids, but if you want to see a really well done anime adaptation into live action, really recommend. Let's bloody talk about some pop culture, shall we? I'm going to let you go first because I'm a kind and gracious host like that. Okay. Um, he's a spinner in the chair. Oh, I I watched Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, well done. What I you know. Well, I say well, that, you might be about to go up shit with it and I'll punch you in the proverbials. <laughs> what would you do? What happens now if I do turn around and go, it was all right, it was a little bit shit? <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would have to question uh, your... Um, Sanity? Yeah, I think. I'd, I'd definitely question your film comprehension skills. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I've not even drunk that much of this rum yet. I'm just going to wow. sit there. Sit. Yeah, so uh, currently um, Sue's on holiday, so uh, so I'm sort of been left alone at home. So I've been um, oh no, I know catching up on some varying bits and bobs. So, yeah, so I decided to watch across the Spider Verse. It's a bit good, isn't it? <laughs> Mate, it's a bit fan fucking tastic. <laughs> I mean, it is a bit good. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I'd go as far as to say legendary. I mean, it's it's the i almost feel like i need to watch it a couple of times oh yeah you do <laughs> um i did watch it i did i did watch it and put and uh fall asleep during it and everyone thought i'd seen it and actually uh, dave, dave dave was watching me and he was kind of like why isn't he saying anything at some of these bits where i know he would be shouting normally it's because i was asleep <laughs> amazing well <laughs> yeah, done i was drunk and asleep um <laughs> So yeah, so and I thought I'd watch loads of it, and I clearly hadn't. But no, yeah. it it was phenomenal. Yeah, just that's how you do a fucking sequel. In it though, because I've got to admit, when me and Rich were gonna go, because we went to see it at the cinema, and um, when we were going to see it, I was like, oh, what if it's not as good <laughs> as the first one? And Rich was like, well, first of all, it was like, don't like put that in your mind. Because that film was li- literally phenomenal, and uh, and it's going to be hard to live up to. But like, you know, this film will probably be as good as that, and that would be good. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm sure you're right. And then within the first sort of opening bit, where um, 
and I don't I don't think this is really a spoiler because the film's been out a while now and it's literally the opening scene. But like the bit where Gwen is drumming at her band practice. Yeah. And like so immediately the score just like punches you in the gut with all that like percussive uh like it's I'm still a little bit livid. Well, I say livid, uh, like that I'm exaggerating that for comedic effects. I don't actually care because I think all awards are stupid. But like it still bothers me a bit that Daniel Pemberton has not been nominated for an Oscar for that score <laughs> because holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I haven't listened to the score on its own oh. yet, but it yeah. It's for not like it's most scores I would say are successful in sort of raising up the film that they are a part of. Some scores don't do that, but, <laughs> you know, not everything can be a home run. But, like, the t- the score to this and the score to the first one are, like, some of the most synchronised between what is happening on screen and what you are hearing in your ears, I think. Yeah. And the way that he blends, like, so many different styles and stuff together is just blimey like I, like i just i just think it's mad that uh that that he hasn't been nominated for that score because it is stra- like go and listen to guggenheim assemble after we finished recording uh i think that's what it's called oh no what if i'm wrong i can't look because my phone's on <laughs> mode in case it upsets skype hey but yeah i think that's it's definitely guggenheim something ha huh. Uh, yeah, listen to that track and then try and tell me that that score doesn't deserve a nomination because it fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it so much. I um, The one thing that tickled me when Across the Spider-Verse came out was that a lot of people seemed to be a bit cross that it sort of finishes on a cliffhanger, which really tickled me because I thought it was all, always... I think originally the, the, it was going to be Across the Spider-Verse part one and part two, wasn't it? So, like, it was always uh, going to be... I didn't know. Oh, okay. No, I, I genuinely didn't know. And it didn't help because the first time I watched it, like I said, which was only it was last, no, it wasn't, it was at the beginning of this month, when I'd sort of fallen asleep, I didn't think I'd fallen asleep for as long as I had. Yeah. So when I kind of, I'm going to use the term came to, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> um, When I came to, something was happening. I'm trying to like, because I don't want to spoil it, because there will be people that haven't seen it. So, mm. but I thought, oh right, things are about to kick off now. Yeah, just in time, and then it was over. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what? But however, when I watched it properly, <laughs> I had no problem with. Mm. I mean, the problem I had was kind of like, why isn't there a film here now for me to watch? But yeah. <laughs> I still, I still felt satisfied that I'd got a story. Yeah. In some ways, you could. It's a yeah, it's a tricky one because there's there's probably there are probably other places you could have chosen to have ended it in the last sort of twenty minutes, which would have been a more rounded end. Yeah. But I think when you're that confident that you know you're doing another one, yeah. then why the fuck not? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I wonder if that's maybe why I was a bit more pro this movie than a couple of other people that I knew when I saw it then because I I'd like I'm sure I've seen like posters where it said across the spider-verse part one and so I was very much of the mindset of I'm going to be chomping at the bit at the end of this but like whatever's yeah. going to happen at the end of this film I'm going to be like where's part two <laughs> lose my tiny mind so yeah maybe that was like maybe that expectation because I wasn't what, what what I liked about it was that I was expecting a, a cliffhanger, but I wasn't expecting the one that I got. <laughs> yes. I was like, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's such impressive 
filmmaking and it looks so gorgeous. Um, yeah, the animation is it's it's just next level. Yeah, there's a sequence where again trying to sort of dance around spoilers, but there's like there's a character who comes from like a different dimension where everything sort of looks like Leonardo da Vinci type drawings. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> like his geez. like his mechanical drawings, his scientific yeah. doodles. And uh and that, like how they make that look like it fits in the universe that they're in at the time is just, like it's so fucking clever and all the animation around uh spider punk is just Mwah. yeah and, and i think also as well like the one thing that we can say like the animation is phenomenal but like the level of creative collaboration that must have gone on in that film yeah i would yeah. have loved to have been a fly in the wall because it was almost that kind of like nothing's off the table yeah. And you can almost see someone come just walking in and just going, what about Spider-Cat? Yeah, that'll mm-hmm. work. We can make that work. Do you know what I mean? It, it's, yeah. it's that kind of, which I kind of just, I love that from a, being a, you know, being a creative. So I, I love that idea where like we can, there isn't anything we can do. We can't do, sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's our imagination without being cheesy. But yeah, that's what this film felt was like, there wasn't a limit to their imagination and they just went anywhere with it. And they managed to do not fall into that trap of which a lot of sequels do where they literally wrap up the the first film with a slightly bigger bow and then cover it with like a more you know what they think is a tasty sauce and then go here you go kids and then you open it and you, you eat it and you go oh it was great and then maybe a day later you suddenly realize oh hang on a minute it was just the same old regular food that i've always had <laughs> Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of sequels do. They just basically give you the same film again. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, throw a bit more money at it with a bit more special effects and stuff like that. But it's those rare sequels where they actually, I don't know, expand out the story, do something different that really stay with you. And this was one of those films. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Like I, they did a tour last year that I went to see, which was the first movie with a live orchestra playing the score. Nice. Uh, like alongside it and I really hope they do that with Across the Spider-Verse at some point as well um, mm. because it was great. What was great about that as well was that there are bits of the score like where for example on the screen somebody would be typing on a keyboard so a guy would come out with a computer keyboard and stand by a microphone and tippity tap on it. Nice. <laughs> that was great. I was like oh this is brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah if you get a chance to see that show because I, I don't know if they're gonna take it on another tour or what but um like I've, I don't think I've ever seen like a like a scratch DJ live before, and that was kind of phenomenal. Wasn't really expecting that. Mm. <laughs> I was like, hmm, okay, this is rad. Uh, yeah, absolutely adore that film. Barry. Yes. Have you seen The Beekeeper yet? Right. No, because you told me it was on some sort of streaming channel. Whatever. I thought I sub- it was. I subscribed to fucking Sky Cinema and paid extra money only to discover it said Beekeeper coming soon. And I was like, what do you mean it's fucking coming soon? Coming they soon. told oh, me. So, no, I haven't seen it. Oh, no. I've got oh, no. down money now. <laughs> I'll buy you, like, an extra beverage next time I see you in person. Um, yeah. which which hopefully yeah you say that because we haven't seen each other in person for years. exactly <laughs> no we'll make an effort well, wait, you've got a car now you could do a little fucking road tripping up to Brums see you could do. my stupid face so um, basically I'll spend even more money going up to see you for you to then give me like, like a couple of quid yeah a couple of quid in, in yeah. 
Right, okay. Cool, 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 cool. cool. All right, I'll come to Northampton, fuck's mm-hmm. sake. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about the beekeeper anyway then, but I'll yes. keep it like spoiler-free-ish. This is a Jason Statham's latest vehicle, and it is very Jason Statham. And Jason I fucking Statham. Loved it, Jason Statham. <laughs> I'm going to start pronouncing his name wrong, I think, because I'll have said it too many times and I'll just forget how to words. The plot of this, such as it is, without getting too into spoilers, is that Jason Statham lives in this lovely little old lady's barn. He's like a tenant there. And uh, right at the start of the movie, she is victim of a like fishing scam. And they steal like basically all of her money, which includes like a couple of million from like a charity that she was like the the person, like, you know, the main finance person for. Okay. And she feels so shit about that that she kills herself. And so Jason Statham. I mean, you. I mean, just to say. Yeah. You you might want to edit that. That is that is a whopper of a spoiler. Mate, it happens within the first eight nine minutes. Still a whopper of a spoiler. I suppose it is a pretty big one. Uh, <laughs> but but the the rest of the movie then is Jason Statham going, "Who are these fucking fishing lads? I'll have them." Right. And it, it is just balls to the wall, Statham violence for, <laughs> for like two hours. It's, it's, like it's balls to the wall, Statham. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's like, it's like somebody said to Statham, right? We're going to make a, I don't know, I don't know how much creative input he has with this movie at all, but it's like somebody said to him, what, what would be the perfect movie for you? And he replied, punching. <laughs> And then, and then they just went, yep, yeah, all right, that will uh, we'll write, yeah, we'll get back to you with a with a script punching, yep, yeah, we can do that. And then they delivered a movie where Statham does a lot of punching, a lot of shooting, a lot of kicking, a lot of tying people to things and then throwing those things off of other high things. Like it's just, <laughs> it is just absolute ridiculous, brilliant. There's a particularly good fight scene that takes place in a corridor that appears to be made of mirrors. I don't know why. It's in a rich person's house and they have weird oh, things, don't they, rich people? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's just it's just Statham going on a rampage to, like, avenge the death of the woman that he lived in the barn of. <laughs> what oh. randoms. Mate, it's so weird. It's so weird because, like, me and Rich didn't really know what to expect of it because, like, it's called the beekeeper because he keeps bees. There's no, like, and then there's a reason why... You find out later why that's important. But, like, it's also not really because the film could have been the exact same thing without that element. <laughs> but it just it just seems like an excuse for Jason Statham to appear in a room and then decimate everyone he sees. <laughs> like he needs a reason. Mate, it's so good. Like, oh, I don't, I'm so miffed that you couldn't get it on Sky. I know. Mate, I'm I, on your behalf. I was even more annoyed by the fact that I think I was more annoyed by the fact there was a little picture of the beekeeper. I was like, oh, cool. And it's like, coming soon. What the fuck do you mean, coming soon? Oh, how soon? Yeah. <laughs> how that, soon is soon? No date on it, so I don't know. Oh, man. It's annoying. I hope it's very soon. And it needs to come it. before the end of the month when I cancel it. Yeah, I really hope that happens because I cannot wait for your reaction to it because um, anybody who's listened to Statham Barry in the morning will know that Barry and I are unequivocal Statham fans. <laughs> I, do, I do love a bit of Statham. Even though most of his movies are kind of crap, 
I watched the Meg Two the other day. That was a disappointment. <laughs> I, I I I quite enjoyed it mainly for the black guy in it because he came because he'd survived the first movie and then decided to like get himself all trained up just in case shit kicked off again. <laughs> and I just thought that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I did very much like him. He was very enjoyable. I just thought there wasn't enough Meg, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's a fair point. But you know, you, you take what you can get with Statham. I think this is a genuinely well, okay. I can't say it's a genuinely good movie because I think if anybody else was in that lead role, I'd be like, "What the fuck is this nonsense?" <laughs> but it's a genuinely good Statham movie. Okay, you know, uh, Statham. Yeah, I don't know what accent he's doing, by the way. You can figure okay. that out when you watch it. <laughs> it's um, it's an interesting take. Uh, Jeremy Irons is in it as well, being very Jeremy Irons. It's all, it's, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Like, I had a lot of fun with it. Like, it's not. It's not the kind of film that you're going to be like, this is why cinema exists. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it's like, you know, a really good fucking fun couple of hours. <laughs> I, I've noticed, well, I was, going to, I was going to say it's a trend, but it's not because I've only found one other film. But obviously this one's called The Beekeeper, which is kind of a bit weird because it's a bit of an odd title for an action movie. Mm-hmm. And then on said Sky Cinema, there's another film there and it's called The Bricklayer. <laughs> Who's in that? And it's uh, the guy who played Two Face in Dark Knight. Is it Aaron uh, Eckhart? Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. yeah, and he's some ex-CIA operative. His codename is yeah. He, and, no, he's not. It's not his codename. A brick. He's a bricklayer. I think he's a bricklayer now, but he's like some ex or he's some CIA operative. They bring out of retirement, or he's some special. Op- I don't fucking know. Brilliant. But I just thought, is this is this the trend now? We're just gonna pick like <laughs> ordinary titles, but there's some sort of badass. So it'd be like kind of. I don't know, The Postman, I know they've done that. Um, <laughs> the Window Cleaner, or, do you know what I mean? The Amazon Delivery Driver, or it, it's Stallone, or something. Do you know what I mean? It's, it was, I just thought it was weird that it was called The Bricklayer. <laughs> that is that is a bit weird. I mean, there is, because I, I didn't want to, I don't want to spoil it, so there is a reason, other than the fact that he keeps bees, which he also does do, that this is called The Beekeeper. Mm. It's, it's, it's that plus secret origin. That I'm not okay. going to spoil, but it is still ridiculous because, like I say, you don't you don't need to have that element to it at all. It could just be a man who's fucking livid that a fishing scam <laughs> killed his mate. Well, you could just have that. That'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I loved it. That was great. Can't wait for you to see it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> yeah. did see. I don't. I don't think I saw this on Sky Cinema, or did I? I don't know. Anywho, I saw Oppenheimer. <gasps> mate, fucking hell. Go on. So, one. Yeah. Hans Zimmer. That. Oof, that's a soundtrack and a half, isn't it? It's not a Hans Zimmer soundtrack. That's that's Ludwig Jorensen, mate. Sorry, Ludwig Lo- Yeah, him. L- Luddy. Yeah. That that that's a soundtrack. In it though. <laughs> wow. Wow. The film I actually. Oh yeah, the film I really enjoyed. I don't think I enjoyed it. I think I was probably a little too close to the hype. Yeah. Um, because sometimes, like with Across the Spider Verse, I there was a lot of distance between the hype and me watching it. Yeah. And it blew me away because I I just went in cold. This one, I think, because we're in award season now and everyone's just constantly like yammering on about it. Mm, I think that yeah. was all in my head when I went in to watch it, and I don't, and I really really enjoyed it. But there was that part of me I was like, yeah, you know, it's not as. <laughs> it's not all that. Come on. It's not all that. It's brilliant, <laughs> but it's not. 
you know, the reason why cinema was invented. I mean, it's probably a little bit more that way than the beekeeper. Right? Uh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. But for me, right, <laughs> when I got to the end of this film, right, I generally believe it helps if you know you're raising Lost Ark. But at the end of Raising Lost Ark, Indy gets the art back to, like, the US and um, they sweep in and take the art and he's kind of like, you know, where's the art? He's like, we've told you before. It's somewhere very safe. He's like, from who? He's like, who's looking at it? Top men. What top men? Top men. In my head canon now, Oppenheimer, you could have easily replaced the bomb with the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, yeah, you could have. Because yeah. it, it almost felt like you could have done a sequel to Raise the Lost Ark <laughs> where, you, where they basically like, get Oppenheimer it's like we found this device that the Nazis had we don't really know what to do with it the Nazis opened it all their faces melted and one guy exploded um, <laughs> we need you to, we need you to try and figure it out and he's kind of like and we have to do this before I don't know they find the, the holy grail or something and he's like right well I need I need my own team of people he said that's fine we need to take it somewhere where we're not going to hurt other people yeah we'll take it to he said oh no we'll, we'll take it to Los Alamos Los Alamos, is that what it is? Oh, um, in, the, in the desert, and we'll build a special camp, we'll, we'll ship everyone in, and we'll figure out how the Ark of the Covenant works. It is literally that that you could do as the plot of a film. That's what Oppenheimer was to be. Yeah, that makes sense. I saw Oppenheimer. We did the Barbenheimer. We did the opening uh, day. Oppenheimer followed by Barbie. And uh, I, I, yeah, I lost my entire brain at it. Is <laughs> you right, though? For two hours or two hours, three hours. It's nearly three hours, yeah. Three yeah. hours of people, of men sitting around. Talking. Talking. It's quite how, is, how is it so mesmerising? I think that that's the reason why I was more impressed with it, I think, than I might have been otherwise, because I am notoriously bad at films where people are just talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I like there to be a lot of comedy or a lot of action or, like, some juicy bits for my brain. So, like, when you get movies that are a bit too slice of life I'm like mate I could just go out and leave this I'm bored <laughs> uh, <laughs> or like movies where it's like here's an awful lot of talking I tend to like tune out after about 35 minutes because I'm like nah mate it, it ain't for me but this film somehow is literally three hours of mostly men mostly middle-aged white men talking <laughs> and yet somehow I couldn't look away yeah. <laughs> I was like oh how have you done what sorcery is this so I was really impressed by it because it's it's rare that a movie of that sort of description would be something I would be interested in like even a little bit in fact we chose to watch Oppenheimer first because I was convinced that I would need Barbie to pick me up afterwards because I'd be bored out of my head (laughs) (laughs) but maybe that helped me with watching it as well because I went in with quite low expectations because even though everybody was banging on a bed like it was going to change the face of cinema or whatever I'd got into my head this is going to bore you so I (laughs) I went in with the expectation of it's going to be boring. Uh, and so when it wasn't, it kind of blew my mind a bit. But, yeah, maybe going into going into it when everybody's, like, <laughs> jizzing all over it. <laughs> it's <laughs> probably not the best time for you to... Uh... But, also, but, I mean, as I said... Like, it's still brilliant, though. Like, it's yeah. brilliant, and I really enjoyed it. And the fact that, like, Robert Downey Jr. was in the MCU as the most recognisable character in the MCU, he, he, he started... The MCU started with him. Mm-hmm. And he was in all of those movies, 
And one would argue him coming off that it's a risky move because, like, you know, Tony Stark's money in the bank and, you know, literally you're you're probably more typecast in some ways than um, Chris Evans was in Captain America just because he came came around a little bit later. Yeah. Um, unrecognisable in yeah. Oppenheimer. Not just because he's they've made him slightly bald and stuff like that, but his performance... Yeah, so is, nuanced. Yeah, and, and worlds apart from... Tony Stark. Mm. He was brilliant. I, I thought, he, yeah, he was one of the best things in it. Don't get me wrong. I thought Cillian Murphy was incredible as like Oppenheimer. Mm. Stuff. Everyone, everyone was. It, it's an actor's movie. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, just, it is. Everyone was like, it's almost like when you clock in on a day, it's kind of like, uh, can we just check you've bought your A game? Yes, you have. <laughs> okay, you may enter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Anything less than that, then you're just going to get laughed off the stage. Oh, you're going to stick out like such a sore thumb because everyone else is bringing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to watch that again, I think, and see if it holds up better now that I've seen it once. Because I think, yeah, I think my expectations were weird when I went into it before. Because <laughs> mm. I've just got that prejudice in my head of like, oh, I'm going to find this dull. Because also as well, like I wasn't I wasn't 100% sure about the subject matter because I was like, I don't know how much I want to think about atomic bombs right now. <laughs> But I quite liked the fact that, like, quite a large portion of the film is him actually thinking, I don't know if I should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm. A little bit late now. <laughs> yeah, I've done that thing that scientists do where they get obsessed with an idea and they think it's great and then they pull it off and they go, oh, balls. That was a mistake. <laughs> Shouldn't have done that. Oops. But, yeah, there's the, the score to that film as well. Like, if that doesn't win the Oscar, he has been nominated Oh, has he? Um, yeah, for that. So yeah. if that does if that doesn't win, I'd be quite surprised. Not that I remember who the other nominees were. So, oh, John Williams, obviously, for uh, Indiana Jones, but I don't remember what the other ones were. Yeah, which is it's a good, I mean, it's a good soundtrack, but I would I would have still gone Oppenheimer. Mm. That piece, can you hear the music? Which are mm. uh, oh, yeah. ridiculous. How good that piece is, Jesus Christ! I saw a film the other day called robot dreams have you heard of or seen this not heard not seen do tell okay. so i watched this well i found out about this because rich has started doing a thing where uh, he's found a, a youtube channel that collates like all the trailers for a week that it can find oh, nice. and then just wangs them all at you at once uh, and this was a trailer for a film called robot dreams and it's an animated movie about a lonely dog who orders a robot from a company that sells robot friends. <laughs> Sorry, um, you did say a dog, right? Yes. So it's a okay. uh, yeah. So it's set in a sort of world where like yeah, animals are anthropomorphic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Should have clarified that straight away, really. Yeah, lonely dog living in an apartment somewhere in America and orders a robot to be its friend, and it's um. It's sort of a silent film. There's no dialogue, but there's a lot of like score and sort of incidental noise and um, some great songs on the soundtrack. And it is just one of the most lovely things I've seen for a really long time. It's uh, it's based on a graphic novel by Sarah Varon. And um, it's sort of about it's about friendships and the sort of the nature of friendships and drifting apart and new opportunities and how to meet people and like it's (laughs) it there's it's it gets a bit heavy in places but it's also like stupidly cute and really beautifully animated 
and um it's really really good this has been nominated for best animated feature for the oscars i think um alongside like spider-verse and the boy in the heron and elemental and something else (laughs) nimona maybe can't remember (laughs) um but yeah it's it definitely deserves that nomination like it's so because again it's it was another one where i was a bit i saw the trailer and i sort of fell in love with the aesthetics of it but didn't realize just based on the trailer that it was going to be like a sort of no dialogue film and i think with with films with no dialogue sometimes you have that problem where it doesn't really actually engage you in the way that it should yeah and I think this film really managed to keep you really into the story. And it really portrayed this friendship between this robot and this dog, like, so well. <laughs> and like I say, it's just it's really beautifully animated. I would highly recommend, if you can get a hold of it, to give it a, a little watch. Don't ask me where we streamed it or whatever, because no, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not about to commit more money just than you off chance that where, where Stacey's telling me to go is actually the right place to go. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm really okay. sorry. All right, I'm not, not bitter. It's all right. I'm no, so you're not at all, are you? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a wholehearted recommend from me. It's a really beautiful film that oh, okay. um, that like sort of makes you want to cry, but then again, by the end, it makes you really happy and like it's really good at eliciting emotions out of you, which I really liked about it because, like I say, it it could have leaned into not being interesting enough without the dialogue, but you get such a feel for these characters' personalities even without. Uh, without words that it's um it's just really masterfully done i really enjoyed it cool okay well speaking of i was going to quickly mention nimona because i watched it the weekend but i'll circle back around to that but i i watched the film gonna bring a bit of culture in now so bear with um i watched a film that it's one of those films that like every time you get one of these 100 films to watch before you die it's always on it's always on there and it's Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, okay. Uh, have you ever seen it? I haven't, no. No. So, but it is always on those lists. Yeah. So <laughs> I decided, and I, you know, I, I always know the sort of main theme from it because I always quite like that theme. Mm. Um, and I was, as I said, season holiday, so I was kind of like, Do you know what, I'm going to give it a go. So put it on. The fucking thing's like four hours. Yeah, it's a long-ass movie. That might be why I haven't watched it. I stuck it on Netflix and I saw the time card. I was like, what? And the the weird thing is, I started to play and it was just a blank screen. And I was like, what the fuck? Something's wrong. I actually came out of it, went back in. I thought it's still blank. Went into another programme. That was working. I thought, it must be this. So then I was just like, I'm just going to take a punt and forward it. So I was forwarding, forwarding. And then it started. I'm like, you what? It must have been like a minute or two minutes before it actually even starts. <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> and then the film is so long that, don't get me wrong, we could do more of that, but it actually says intermission. There's actually a point where it's, and it goes back to the black screen for a little while, which I, I did, you know, which was great because I did stop it and because I watched it over like three days. <laughs> so, um, and... So here's my thing, and there's going to be a geeky connection, so to bear with. I can see why it got all the kind of awards and bloody bloody blahs. Um, yeah. Looks stunning. It's aged well in terms of that stuff. I think some of it is a bit icky now, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, you know, blue-eyed white dude running about, you know, 
Yeah, but I tell you what, I was about halfway through, and I kind of like, this is basically Flash Gordon. Because <laughs> <laughs> you take, you got this sort of blonde-haired guy, take him into an alien world, says in inverted commas, where they're all war, warring tribes, no one's getting on, and he has to unite them all under him. That's basically the problem. It's basically, and one guy who's played by Anthony Quinn, who I love, he's basically Voltan. The other guy, he's played by Armour Shriv, is basically Prince Baron. I defy anyone to go and watch that film and not tell me that's the case. <laughs> well, I mean, I I could do that because I also haven't seen Flash Gordon. <laughs> OK, you could. But I, I think the thing I, I did quite like about it in one respect was I don't know anything about the, the history of... Um, is it T. Lawrence? I think his name is. But um, there are times this where Duchamp is a bit of an arse. He is a bit of an arse, which I wasn't yeah. really expecting. Mm. Also, I kept expecting Young Indiana Jones to turn up because Lawrence Arabia is in the Young Indiana Jones TV series. He's uh-huh. like, he's like mates of Indy. And I kept going, where's Indy? I mean, I knew he wasn't in it, but, it, you know, would have been nice. Little cameo. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. So, yeah, so I could tick that off my bucket list that I've seen it. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. Did you want to circle back to Nimona? Yes. Much more enjoyable than Lawrence Arabia. <laughs> a cool 90 minutes-ish. Yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's, that's how you do it, bruv. <laughs> that, and I have to say, like, that's probably one of the quickest I've watched a film where, like, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. You know, first off, something happens and I did not see it coming. And no. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> So what that is, and then Nimona comes in, and from the minute she comes into it, I'm like, I am all over this like chocolate on a hot Sunday. <laughs> the, the dialogue, she yeah, loved it. Oh, it's it's so like the dialogue is so like smart and snappy and yeah, yeah, it's really great. I um I was in the fairly unique position when I watched this of uh, having read Nimona, but so long ago that I didn't really remember anything about it except that. Nimona was a shapeshifter. <laughs> That's like literally all I could remember. So when I watched this, I had like no concept of whether or not it was at all like the comic. Uh, it's not really, from what I can tell. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's like almost an entirely different story um, <laughs> with the same-ish characters. But it's so smartly done because it, like you say, it sort of it starts with an inciting incident and then it just goes. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't stop going. Uh, and it god it's so good again this was another film that made me cry (laughs) uh like it's so what got me about it that i found quite interesting and i still can't put my finger on why this happened i didn't like the look of the animation when i saw the trailer and i was a bit like i might not even bother watching this because it doesn't look good Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but then the weekend it came out, Rich was in London for seeing a band that I didn't care for. Uh, so I was at home alone and I thought, do you know what? I'll wang it on because he won't want to watch it. It's only, it's only an hour and a half. Uh, and uh, by the end of it, I was like, well, aren't I glad that I ate my own work? <laughs> <laughs> but I, d- I don't know what it was, whether there was something different about the animation between the trailer and the and the film or whether it was something to do with the way it was like edited or cut together but I don't know it felt flat to me whereas mm-hmm. the film itself is like the opposite of that <laughs> yeah. like it's so dynamic and interesting to look at and gorgeous and the storytelling is like really sharp and clean and clever 
uh, yeah, I was like in love with it after mm. I watched it. I was like, oh, what a, what a dick that I wasn't going to watch this. And, and I like the I, I like the sort of world building. I like the kind of idea of the kind of it's it's kind of medieval, but it's futuristic, and I, I kind of mm. love that that yeah. mix. And just some of the subtle world building, like it's a bit where they run that they're trying to escape and they end up in a tube station. It's, it is effectively a tube station. So yeah. and someone's busking and stuff. So yeah, it's yeah. I, I, there's a there's a lot of like neat touches, and I feel it's another one. If you watched it second time around, there's probably more stuff that you'd spot mm. going yeah. on in the background that you didn't notice before. But yeah, it's if if you can say an animated character like stole every scene they're in, it's Nimona. <laughs> every scene she's in is yeah. just quality. Yeah. Um, I liked the knight as well. I thought he was good, and he was yeah, he had some good one-liners himself, and so did some of the other characters. But yeah, yeah, he, he did. If I had one sort of critique, which is I'm trying to choose words carefully, I feel that the the bigger he doesn't take a genius to figure out who's behind it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's. And maybe by doing that, I've kind of given it away. I don't know, but that's my only sort of critique. But it wasn't, but it didn't spoil it for me because sometimes now I knew the bad, even when they're trying to sort of wrap up into it as a twist, it's kind of like it, it doesn't, it doesn't take away my enjoyment of it. Yeah. But I kind of figured it out and kind of figured out that in the same breath, figured out their motivations straight off. But the way it was still delivered out, you kind of understood it. And then they hit you with a couple of st- other sort of story plot points. It's almost like that was a feint, and then you got hit by a right hook that you didn't see coming. Mm, mm. Like, Nimona's backstory didn't see that. That was the bit that made me cry. <laughs> yeah, did not see that coming oh, at all. Yeah, um, yeah that, that, was some, that was some hefty, hefty emotional lifting going on there. Yeah. As was the last 20 minutes. Yeah, it's... um. I talked about it a lot when I had um Danny Abram on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, we we both just agreed that it's like it's one of those films that's like it feels cathartic to watch. Yeah. Um, even if you're not really in a mood, it, you know, if you're feeling kind of chipper, it's still <laughs> it's still like a really, yeah, like powerful film to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. I've got one more thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, okay. so is there anything else that was on your um, I saw the Marvels. Oh, it's all right, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it was all right. It's all right. It was all right. It's Didn't mind fine. it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. That's where we are now, the MCU. That's the bench. Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, yeah. Did you watch the trailer? This wasn't the thing I was going to talk about, but okay. then you made me think of Marvel stuff. Did you watch the trailer for Deadpool and Wolverine? Yes. I, yes, I did, actually. I quite enjoyed the trailer. I yeah I did no I did enjoy the trailer actually um, I love I love Wade's shit wig it's so funny <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> oh god I was crying because like I was watching the Super Bowl when that trailer dropped so I watched it on the toilet with the sound off the first time I watched it on my phone on the toilet with the sound off but immediately I was like that wig is hilarious and I love it it's my new favorite thing but yeah, I what I like about it, although I am a bit worried simultaneously, is that it seems to be because one of the problems that I had with Quantumania is that it was relating to Kang, but didn't you didn't you didn't really need to know what was going on in Loki or any mm-hmm. of the like any of the Kang backstory that we'd already had. Like you didn't really need that for Quantumania. And I felt the same about like the last Spider Man movie. It was like diddling about with multiverse stuff, but not really 
like dipping into anything of what Loki was up to. Mm-hmm. So I quite like the fact that this is bringing in like the TVA and <laughs> like it's actually. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Me neither. And it's on the one hand, I love that because I'm like, oh, this feels like it's really going to be in it. And it's and, and it's going to be important because what I was worried about with this being under the Marvel banner rather than, you know, the previous movies weren't part of the MCU, the previous Deadpool movies, mm. is I was worried that this was going to be another one that's sort of like we're not really going to commit to it because it's kind of on the peripheral and we don't really need it to do anything. So I was worried it was just going to be like the same Deadpool movie again, but maybe with a couple more jokes about like, oh, Oh, it's funny that I'm getting away with this at Disney, eh? Wink. Uh, <laughs> which which you absolutely will get. Like, I'm not. Because that's Rich and Phil, uh, our, my husband and our mutual friend Phil, were saying that their big worry about it is that they are going to be annoyed at the sheer amount of fourth wall breaks they think we're going to get relating mm. to Marvel slash Disney. And you did get a couple of them in the trailer. But, like, as soon as the action kicked off in that trailer and they did that badass thing with the guns and the reloading, I was like, I am in. (laughs) Like, I was fist pumping on the toilet, like, this is so cool. (laughs) Uh, So I'm quite excited. It comes out on Richie's birthday, which is a great Uh, gift to me. I'm going to I'm going to accidentally take him to see it for his birthday. Ahead. Surprise. Which he won't be surprised. <laughs> he won't be surprised and he'll probably be annoyed. But happy birthday, Rich. <laughs> In advance. Mm-hmm. Look, mate, when they release a Deadpool movie on my birthday, then great. But it's it's not my fault that it's coming out. <laughs> In July. Yeah, no, I'm, ex- I'm quite excited for it to like, because it feels like it's going to have to mean something, which means it might be like a genuinely good, juicy story. Yeah. But it, but also I'm a little bit trepidatious about that because I have sort of got a bit lax with the Marvel TV shows lately because I'm getting kind of bored of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I watched Echo and it was all right, wasn't it? That was fine. I haven't seen it yet. It's fine. Uh, I haven't watched, I mean, I still haven't finished the first season of um, What If, and I haven't watched the second. Not that I think any of them will probably be that important anyway, but yeah, I don't know. Like, And I, I would have given up on Loki if uh, if Rich hadn't have just carried on watching it, because then I was just like, well, I'm here, I might as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and luckily, the, the second half of season two of Loki turned out to be the tits. So. Yeah. I mean, I liked um, What If, I liked but then I found that the second season, which I still enjoyed, but I skipped some of the actual episodes. Because the problem, I think the problem is that the, the title tells you it's kind of like, what if blah, blah, blah happens? And I was kind of like, nah, I'm not interested in that. I didn't, <laughs> didn't watch yeah. it. But um, I really do like Captain Carter. Yes. And I really wish they would give her either a proper film or an anime, yeah, either a film, TV show or animated film. I'm, I'm not. Not far. In some ways, I'd kind of like an animated film just because of the what if stuff. Yeah. Um, because I still feel like she was wasted, wasted in um, Doctor Strange travesty. Yeah. The the last film that I wanted to talk about is um, American Fiction. Have you heard of this? Uh, is this about a black writer? It, it is, yeah. Yes, I have. Um, yeah, yeah, with Jeff, Jeffrey Wright. That's the one. Yeah, 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 I know this. Yeah. Me and Rich watched this the other week, and I knew absolutely nothing about it before I started watching it, except that it's got a lot of awards buzz around it. And I had no idea what to expect. It's based on a book called uh, Erasure by 
Percival Everett that I haven't read. <laughs> so, so I was just like going in totally blind. And um, the basic premise of it is that uh, Jeffrey Wright plays a writer who his career has stalled a bit. He's mostly doing like university lecturing because his books aren't really doing what he wants them to be doing. And so he gets super pissed off and writes a what is to him satirical, stereotypically in inverted commas black novel i.e mm. what white people want to read about black people <laughs> rather than you know the actual lives of black people under a pseudonym and he submits it to his agent as a joke uh, and his agent pitches it around not knowing that it's a joke and it gets picked <laughs> it gets picked yeah. up and it becomes stupidly popular amongst all the like publishing companies and they're all fighting over him and all this sort of stuff so he sort of has to it, it challenges a lot of his world view Um, And a lot of his own sort of like personal feelings and beliefs. And at the same time, all of this is going on to like the backdrop. And all of that is actually like really funny because I didn't know it was a comedy. Um, That part is like there's so many genuinely hilarious like bits to that. Like uh, there's a bit where like on the phone he's pretending to be quote unquote more black because he just (laughs) because he doesn't think people accept his current voice because it's too like, you know, posh snooty college lecturer but in the backdrop to all of this is there's like this like touching family drama about like his relationship with his brother and the fact that their mom is starting to suffer with like dementia and like it's (laughs) I I didn't know where I was at with this movie because on the one hand I was pissing myself laughing at something that is it is genuinely funny and the way they tell it is genuinely funny but also you're sitting there thinking I don't like this though because it's very it's too close to the (laughs) truth to the truth and it's making me feel really uncomfortable and then whilst it's doing that it's just punching your heartstrings in the fanny (laughs) i was like i don't don't, i'm such a mess i'm like emotionally a mess from watching i still don't really know what i think about this this film (laughs) because like all of the performances in it are great like um you know jeffrey wright's brilliant as it is um sterling k brown plays his brother and he's amazing uh, Leslie Uggams plays his mom. She's wonderful. I love her anyway. But it's like, I don't know. It's like it's like a satire about like your own identity against like tokenization, all set to like the background of like a f- familial relationship drama. And I just yeah, like I I think I would recommend it to people because I think it was really good. But I don't know if I can really tell you for why. <laughs> yeah. Because it's such a weird story to be telling. And like I say, it is, it is uncomfortable. And I, yeah, I, I mean, I assume that was the intent, though, to be honest, to make you think about that. Because there's like a there's like a sequence in it where, again, as like a sort of token thing, he gets invited onto a judging panel for a book award. And he has to like review this book because nobody knows it's him that wrote it. And he has to sort of review this book and like, the majority of the rest of the panel are just like middle-aged white people. He's trying to say to them, like, this is so like ridiculous. And they're sitting there going, no, it's powerful. It's like a powerful. And he's like, oh, my God. Keith David turns up. He's great. We all want to look at Keith David, don't we? And hear his beautiful yeah. voice. He's amazing. But, yeah, look, I, d- I don't know where I was at with this film because it was so good, whilst at the same time just like, well. <laughs> well, I think I think for me, I saw the trailer for it and I, just, and I thought, I've seen, I've, I've had this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like the, you know, me, it was, it's like me and Dave when we started GS and going to places and people 
genuinely thinking it's okay to say to our faces like white people say i didn't know they were black geeks or like doing um i remember when we did the tv show and we were doing the interviews and just the way they were pitching the questions at, us, at one point we had someone who was there with us to sort of um sort of chaperone us and the guy kind of whispered and he just he's like they have no idea you're black do they <laughs> like, no they don't and you know before i even get some of the stuff and kind of mariah and stuff so yeah so it was very i i watched this and i was kind of like even though it's a more like exaggerated idea yeah, oh, i guess um it's, it's very much exaggerated for comic effect but yeah, yeah it is real stuff yeah. that happens it's very obvious that this is the sort of shit that goes on just it and it's not you could probably extrapolate it to other industries it's not just yeah. well i mean even in the film they they do extrapolate it to the film industry at some point like it's um i think the reason it made me feel so uncomfortable was because i could see it from both sides because on the one hand like i'm very aware of how of, of how like how, how do i want to say this of how certain stories when they come from certain minorities are pushed as like core blimey look at this like inspirational or powerful telling of you know this story because it's from a person of color a disabled person a gay person and and those stories are important to tell and those stories belong you know they they do deserve to be told but it's it's really distressing to think that those people are being boxed into this is the only story you can tell though because you are black gay disabled whatever but also on the on the other side of it as well like like I've had it obviously this I'm not comparing this to racism because it's not even close but like I've had it where people have tried to tell me before that like you know if you really wanted to go like far in podcasting and stuff you should start a podcast about asexuality because it's a niche and blah 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 I'm like well like yeah that may it from a branding point of view if you're getting very clinical about my personality as a branding exercise like yes that is the niche thing about me that would probably appeal to more people than me just waffling about movies because I'm not a film critic and there's a billion you know pop culture podcasts and there's not quite so many podcasts about the asexual experience but like from a person so I can understand from a you know like a a money point of view that yeah that probably would work but from a personal point of view like my asexuality is a facet of who I am it's not it's not the entirety of me and it's not the only story I want to tell and so, like, I can see it from that side as well. So it's like, it's a really interesting film and I think it's really worth a watch. But it is uncomfortable. And I, I think the reason I found it a bit bizarre by the end was that I wasn't 100% sure what, what the final sort of thought on <laughs> that sort of, like, boxing of people uh, tokenization. I don't really know what, what exactly they were trying to say at the end. Right. I'd be interested to know like other people's thoughts on it because I haven't I haven't really read any like reviews or anything of it since I watched it because I've been sort of percolating on it a bit. (laughs) And I think the more I think about it, the more I don't I don't know what they what exactly they were saying. Um, And I think that's where it falls down a bit for me. But I mean, this could just be a case of me going off and reading like one or two articles, having something click and then being like, oh, (laughs) fucking hell. And then just like (laughs) (laughs) everything falls into place. But I mean, from a performance point of view, like everybody's really fucking great in it. So great. I think it deserves the like awards, plaudits. It's good. It's getting yeah. uh, the, the nominations, at least. I don't know about <laughs> I don't know about winning them, but that's because there was a fucking load of really good movies last year. <laughs> but yeah, American fiction. Uh, don't know. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what, 
What a great review. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I just simply don't know. I mean, I think that's a rousing endorsement, though, because that's surely going to make people want to watch it to figure out why I can't figure it out. <laughs> if that's what you think, Stace, then God bless you. God bless me. Was there anything else you wanted to waffle about before we recommend a couple of songs at people? No, I'm waffled out. All is all waffled out. Okay. Well, I've just talked for a really long time. So, would you like to recommend a song for everyone to go and pop in their ears after this episode? Easy. (laughs) What you want? (laughs) I was hoping you would pick that. (laughs) There's loads of people who are like, I don't know. What what do I want? What 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 is he talking about? (laughs) And if you don't know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, God, I've been drinking. If you don't know what I'm talking about, even more reason for you to be putting this song in your ears. This is Anti Up by MOP. Yeah, it is. Yeah. As heard on Ninja Turtles, Beauty and Mayhem. I can't believe I'm saying Anti Up was on a kid's <laughs> it makes no, it makes To quote the guy from um, Knives, Out, Knives Out, it makes no goddamn sense. That was my southern accent. It's great, wasn't it? It was beautiful. I really enjoyed it. I uh, the, the soundtrack to this movie genuinely threw me when I went to see it because um, <laughs> like, like I was like, no children that are watching this that are new to the Turtles franchise are going to be like, cool, this is great music. I love it. It's my new favourite thing. Well, I mean, maybe they will. Maybe that's just, in, you know, brought a, a whole new generation into like 80s and 90s hip hop and rap. <laughs> I don't know but like I appreciated it very much it has an excellent soundtrack yeah <laughs> when, um, one of my favourite things about being so weirdly passionate about movies and stuff is when you recommend them to other people and then they watch them and they have a really wicked time and I had such a lovely day that day that you text me to say <laughs> like I've popped on Mute Mayhem and then you sort of did the equivalent of live tweeting in my DMs <laughs> and uh Corey made me happy because that film is really good and I want more people to watch it and love it as much as I do. I love that film. It's so good. I've seen it seven times now. <laughs> Have you? Wow. Have it only you came seen... out last July. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen, it's quite an old clip, I think it's on YouTube, it's basically a, a dad and his son in a car and then um, Auntie Up comes on and the dad loses it. <laughs> Yes. You've seen that. <laughs> you sent it to me before. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. That song is the epitome of like a psych yourself up song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like if I'd had a child, that would have been me in that clip. Yeah, kids like, we're going to die in this car. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's eating chips, so he just knocks it out of his hand. Oh, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a good song it's such a good song and it's used so well it, yeah it really is what what a film eh what a film what a film core me. um the song that i picked i sent it to you did you have a listen to it or no i didn't listen to it this is the uh oh i don't want to say because you're going to say it now yeah it's called schwarzenegger and it's by quixotic and it's like a sort of dance electronic synth wave rock thing kind of to the tune of the theme from the terminator but also not and it's great (laughs) i happened across this because i was listening to a synthwave playlist on spotify and then it did that thing uh you know that spotify does where you finish a playlist or an album and it goes here's some other stuff akin to what you were just listening to oh yeah yeah. and just randomly plays shit at you 
and this started playing and it's it starts with a bit of like Arnold Schwarzenegger like talking over it like blatantly from interviews about you know like bodybuilding and like people not being able to, able to pronounce his name and then the and then the tune just goes off on one and I feel like it would be the perfect song to have on when you're on a treadmill and you want to go fast <laughs> yeah like it's just uh it's just like yeah electronic dancey terminator theme that makes you want to run and punch stuff nice <laughs> I really like it I don't know if it'll be everybody's bag, but I don't care. I'm only recommending you listen to it. You don't have to like it. <laughs> <laughs> I get very combative when I'm on rum, don't you I? You do, don't you? Yeah. Fool, what you want? Quite- um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very that's, polite. Those two very good songs will be on the Parlour Recommendations Spotify playlist. Should you want to go and have a listen to them and all the other stuff, what me and my guests have picked over the last 150-ish episodes. And that was the 150th episode, Core Blimey. Aye. All right. Barry, where can people do a find of you on the internet should you wish to be followed? You can find me at uh, just uh, Geek Syndicate. So geeksyndicate.co.uk, that's where like, the podcast is and all that malarkey. Uh, we've got a Facebook group, which is Geek Syndicate again. And we've got an Instagram page, which is Geek Syndicate. <laughs> surprise surprise <laughs> and if you're interested in my kind of uh more personal creative endeavors then if the site hasn't been taken down because i keep forgetting to pay on a monthly basis and the site goes down that reminds me that i have to pay and the site goes back up hopefully the time when you go and check it out the site will be up which is why i'm not a successful successful author um you can, <laughs> you can head over to uh barrynugent.com barrynugent.com do it buy his books Buy all of them. So sayeth Stace Bob. Yeah. Or, or yeah. one of them. Be nice. Or, or one of them. Yeah. You don't have to buy them all. Times are hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. I really dialed back on that straight away. Yeah, I know. Like, Support my friend. Or, you know, don't. Or not. If you're struggling. <laughs> or just smile yeah. and nod politely. Do what you can. Even if it's just a hearty handshake and a well done you. Yeah. Tip of the hat to Barry Nugent. Tip of the wow. You've gone from buy all his books to just tip the hat. Wow. Thanks, Stace. I love you, Barry. I love you too, Stace. I do actually genuinely love you. Hey, if you want to find me, I'm at Stacey's Parlour pretty much everywhere. I don't use all the apps that I'm on because there's too many of them right now. And I'm just waiting for like Twitter to die before I actually commit <laughs> to one of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, hey, happy birthday to me. Blimey. Happy um, birthday. Happy birthday to me. And uh, I'm never going to shut up. Just just putting that out there. I'm going <laughs> to. People are like, cool, what an achievement. 150 episodes. And I'm like, mm, is it though? I just love talking. Um, but thank you to everybody who says that. It's really kind. And um, I'm going to shut up now because rum (laughs) (laughs) oh love you everybody see you next month bye i won't be here next month but bye anyway (laughs) no but if you want to hear more of mine and barry's shenanigans we've also got a podcast called stace and barry in the morning that you can find on the geek syndicate network and now i really am gonna go goodbye everybody bye all Hello everyone, it's your titular Stace again. 
uh, just popping off at the end of this episode to say that um, just a huge thank you, actually, to everyone who's ever listened to the show, shared the show on the socials, guested on the show, donated to the SPCP Live events and just generally supported a little twat with a podcast. Um, it's really wonderful to know that there are people out there who enjoy the nonsense that I spout on a regular basis. And I just wanted to say thank you for keeping me going all these years. Um, I've actually found that podcasting is like a really great help to my mental health, uh, not least because it's actually introduced me to a bunch of people who I probably would never have met otherwise uh, or had the, the good fortune to chat with. So, um, yeah, it's uh, 12 years, man. That's a long time. The other thing I wanted to say as well was that uh, I, I wanted to thank the people that sent in voice notes for this episode. Um, I didn't mention it on the show because I, even though I've been podcasting for 12 years, I am terrible at it. <laughs> and I didn't know how to play those messages so that Barry could hear them <laughs> when we were recording, uh, which meant that I just put them in afterwards and we just didn't react to them in the show at all. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who took the time to send over those messages. It was actually really lovely uh, and a little bit embarrassing. I'm very British. I can't take a compliment. I didn't really know how to take half of the messages, but um, it's really nice to know that, that people took the time to do that and say really lovely things about me and the show. And finally, uh, I just wanted to dedicate this episode to Peter Spellos. Folks might know Peter as um, an actor, a voice actor, improv coach, but I knew him mostly as a really fucking amazing friend. Pete sadly passed away in November last year. And I just I just wanted to, to dedicate this episode to him because he he's one of the most supportive men I think I've, I've ever met. I briefly went to talk to him at 2014's auto assembly convention uh, having no clue who he was at the time but I'd just seen his Q&A uh, at the show and uh, I'm not often moved to go and speak to strangers because I find them terrifying and and socializing is just awful I hate it <laughs> um, but I was moved to go and tell him that I thought his uh, his Q&A was really really good um he seemed like a really lovely dude we hit it off immediately we chatted a lot he's been on um a couple of episodes of the parlor uh, a few of the the live charity shows he's just somebody who was just so he had so much time for people he was super supportive he was always complimentary and pushing you to be you know the best that you can be to achieve things i used to sort of jokingly call him my internet dad but that's not actually far off the sort of relationship that we had. Uh, he was an absolutely wonderful dude. And uh, I would like to raise a little toast to Peter, who um, died at age 69, which I think uh, he would appreciate just in terms of uh, comedic value for that number. <laughs> I love you, Pete. And I love all of you who have been listening to The Parlour. You are absolute legendary stars. And... Uh, Here's to 150 more, eh? Toodle pip! Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com, or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. 
If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah!